Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 89. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <laughs> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
Cool. I'm going to get one today. Currently, I'm working on my Mad and Disney books, as well as articles on the Pink Panther and on Popeye for Back Issue magazine. Today, we feature the second part of the interview with our guest. We've got the dogs under control, and so here we go. Our guest today co-wrote Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. He's worked for Disney, writes for Cartoon Research, and is an avid collector of children's albums and soundtrack albums. Here he is, Greg Airbar. Back to the <laughs> back to what we're talking oh, about. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I did I did that, and then um, there's uh, you know, pretty much been for Disney uh, quite a bit of stuff, just <laughs> all kinds of books and comics and. Um, uh, a lot of uh, merchandise, stuff in the parks, Wonderland tea that they sell in the parks. Um, that was me. Uh, lot, lots and lots of things. A um, lot of movies adapted into books and comics, read-alongs and things like that. But I've also done a lot of things for Walt Disney Records, their website and the uh, liner notes for, for some of their albums. Mm -hmm. like, sometimes I'll get a phone call saying who's singing on, on this or that. And, I'll say, oh, it's this because they do. They have to go back and, and find out who some of them were in order to, I guess, to compensate them if they're reusing a thing. So lots of times. Uh, in fact, I think in the case of Sleeping Beauty, it was, are you absolutely sure that's not Bill Shirley? I said, no, that's Bill Lee. That's none of those vocals. You know, Mary Costa singing is totally, I don't think she even realized it. Because <laughs> I met her oh, um, and said, do you know those aren't the soundtracks? She says, "Yeah, they are." And I said, "No, they're 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 different." <laughs> so, you know, I don't know what you know that that, but it was it was noted, and then the the really nice legacy collection sets that they have now they have both versions. Hmm. Legacy collection. They also on Mary Poppins have content. Sure, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. One thing you did, and this might be how I first heard about you. It probably is either that or your columns for Jerry Beck. But uh, uh, your book, Mouse Tracks: The Story of Walt Disney Records, that you did with Tim Hollis. I love that yeah. book. So, <laughs> thank you. And and uh, Tim and I had oh, we just talked. Tim and I was it, he's he's such a great guy, and he knows so much. He wrote it. He wrote one of my favorite books. He wrote was the one about the breakfast character. Oh yeah. Have you had you gotta have Tim because he is he is just he, he he's just so knowledgeable and the way he tells stories and stuff, he, he, he actually is a storyteller. He goes to schools and stuff and does the these talks and things and he's written about roadside attractions and all kinds of pop culture, so you really should have him on. Okay. Yeah, and I do have that serial book. I think I have a couple other books of his, but I know I have the serial one you're talking about. So uh yeah, I'll contact him. Uh, Sorry, I digressed. Yeah. That's, that's okay. We're going to digress all over the place. In fact, you know, even though I mentioned the book, I was going to ask you a question totally unrelated. But there's a few things I just want. When you when at the top of the show you said you know uh, you have a creative albums or whatever that are the must haves or must keeps because of the potential fire. <laughs> One of them you mentioned. Most of them you mentioned I have, or at least have heard if I don't have them, but I think I have all the ones you mentioned. The one I don't have, and I was just kind of curious about it, it's just been itching in my brain the whole hour here, is the Flying Nun soundtrack. What is on that, and why is it so good that you would actually consider that one of your best ones? Well, the Flying Nun is a is of sentimental love for me, because I loved the show as a kid, and I find it surprisingly 
still holding up as an adult. You know, there's certain shows you watch and uh, you go like, well, I, it's, it's nice, but it's not quite the way I remember it. Flying Nun gets a bad rap because it has a stupid name, so it's very <laughs> easy to make of. Um, and it and it was the butt of jokes even in its day. And Sally Field had to live through all of that. Mm. That's why she's not fond of the memories. It, it was a difficult time for her. It was very hard work, both that and Gidget. But Flying Nun wasn't a role she particularly enjoyed. Yet, mm-hmm. um, he says this on the DVD um, extra. It, it was um, also a huge education for her because she met Madeline Sherwood, who encouraged her to go to acting class. And I think without the Flying Nun, she wouldn't have learned... Uh, disciplines. Uh, she wouldn't have learned acting skills. Uh, she worked with a lot of professionals, and it, she learned how to do something that wasn't fun, that required some patience. Uh, I don't think she would have become the actress she did without the Flying Nun. So it, it was necessary in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I love the fantasy of the show, and I love the music of the show, and the whole idea of flying. And I just thought it was a delightful show. I love the I, I love the way um, Marge Redmond narrated it. And it was it was a fun and often quite funny show. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it transcended its its outrageous premise <laughs> by being a <laughs> to, to use a really silly word grounded. Yeah. There was a, there was a it was very clever. Bernard Slade is a brilliant writer, and so he he made the show work by having the polar opposite of having Carlos. Uh, running a casino. So you had constantly put this nun in the middle of a go-go place, walking around, constantly embarrassing Carlos when he was making out and stuff. So it was, it was, it was, the incongruity was constantly happening. Mm-hmm. Carlos would be forcing him to, to give money by embarrassing him usually. And he was also one of the best friends at the convent. So you had that, that, that dynamic always going. And, and I wish the show hadn't been canceled because it got only better because they added Vito Scotty to it. And how can you go wrong without with Vito Scotty? Yeah. He was like the pots of, of, of <laughs> uh, show. So it was it was it was a good show. And the other thing I liked about it was the gimmick comedies of the '60s were always about concealment. You know, don't tell Larry Tate, don't tell Doctor Bellows, <laughs> but don't tell Brown. But on this show, everybody knew who needed to know the only people they didn't tell were destructive people or people who it would have been it would have been a problem to tell like like when poland was the psychiatrist or when um uh, larry storch was the reporter mm-hmm. when it was when, or, or the the mother superior when it was going to be a real problem but they usually told they told <laughs> the kid you know mm-hmm. they told Penn Ferdin. I believe. Well, she was on it twice. I may have told her once, but they, the kids knew. Every it was not a secret um, it, because they were nuns. Mm-hmm. So most of the time they didn't hide it, and even when they did, they did it in kind of a funny way. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very different, and it was handled like it was a real thing. And so it was, and and a lot of times she used it to help people. Um, it didn't usually cause you know. I don't know. I just I just think the show worked mm-hmm. in a strange way. Um, and I love the song. So when the album came out, I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that a couple of the songs really were used in the soundtrack. About three of them really were used on the show. At first, they dubbed her voice for the mm-hmm. first few episodes. 
just like with David Cassidy, uh, first few Partridge families, which was also Screen Gems. Right. <laughs> they didn't realize he could sing. Mm-hmm. But what they did with Sally Field is the same thing they did with Annette. They doubled her voice. Hmm. And if you listen carefully to the song Count to Ten, she doesn't quite double as flawlessly as Annette could do it. She was very good at it. But she does a really nice job, and most of the time she is she is doubled. Um, but you're talking about an album made by the folks you know, from the Brill Building, the 1680 Broadway, the, the Don Kirshner, uh, the Aldon Music Factory. Well, yeah, it's on the same Cold Gems label as the Monkees, so yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just one of the series. <laughs> it absolutely is, and it has the same high quality... It has Lester Sill and, and, you know, a song that was actually in Where the Boys Are, Connie Francis' song, Terrell on the Sunshine. Mm-hmm. It had, you know, the, the same songwriters, just like the Monkees, the same songwriters. It has uh, Ernie Freeman and people like that doing, doing arrangements. Hmm. It has a ginormous orchestra with great bass lines, and it has the Bob Mitchell Choir. I actually got in touch with Bob Mitchell to write Mouse Tracks because I wanted to talk about his Disney connections. Bob Mitchell Choir goes all the way back to the 40s. You can see a, a, uh, a short subject on YouTube about Bob Mitchell, uh, him leading the choir. They were in Going My Way and West Point Story and pretty much every movie. You can, you can tell because of the way he arranges the singing. It's the Bob Mitchell Choir. It's very, very distinctive. Nice man. He also played organ for ball games in Los Angeles. I think Dodger games for years and years. Mm. And he sent me a Christmas card every year. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, you know why? I sent him a copy of the album. He didn't have one. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> the talent never gets a copy of. I remember I worked with a sidetrack. <laughs> I worked with a, a lady who designed the Ruthless People uh, graphic, the big screw. Yeah. She met Bette Midler, and Bette Midler said, would you send me a tape of the movie? They haven't sent me one. <laughs> and she like, you're the star of the movie, and they didn't send She says, no. It's a lot of times the, the actors, I made, a, I made a film for Main Street, for, for Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, and the lady who was the, the main character, everybody was done, and they just moved on. And I said, isn't anybody going to send her a tape? And they said, eh, I did. Yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> For gosh sakes! So um, uh, it, it was it was nice to be able to have this this gentleman who had brought me such joy um, be able to send them you know an al- the album. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it it is a it is a beautiful um, piece of work. If nothing else, you know, if you don't like the Flying Nun, you can at least it, it, admire the fact that it is a lavishly mounted, big 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 production. Yeah. Uh, has a has a great Christmas song on it that hmm. was not on the show uh, that I would love to have seen gone any, gone further. I managed to get one song on a uh, on a CD for for Rhino called Billboard Family uh, Travel Classics. It's called I'm on My hmm. Way, hmm. and that song was sung about three times on the show. Hello, Captain Pumperdinkle, how are you today? Um, <laughs> That song was on the on the CD, and it actually came from my vinyl record because uh, Columbia at the time couldn't find the master. Yeah. 
So I had a clean copy. I mailed it to Rhino, and they used my record. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the, the themes from the Jetsons, not the Jetsons. It might be the Jetsons, yeah. The the Jetsons theme that's on Rhino, the, the, the long one, the 80s one. Right. And the the um, the Super Friends and the Amazing Chant that are on Toon Tunes, mm-hmm. those are from a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> because Rhino could locate the extended versions. I had a promotional cassette that a radio station gave me that had these gorgeous, long Hoyt Curtain arrangements of those three themes. Super <laughs> Friends just blows me away. Mm-hmm. Um, were made promotionally and rhino couldn't locate them and, and they couldn't find them anywhere else they said send us the cassette wow. and i said please return it's the only one i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and they did and that's what's on the cd so they can uh, they can do ma- miracles with mixing now you, so. I, I think you've sold me on the flying nun even though i i do have the two seasons that are on dvd unfortunately they never put the third season but uh, and maybe because of music rights, because there there were songs in the third season, like Chopsticks and things like that, that uh, I don't that weren't on the album, and it's possible that once again, that may be the only thing preventing it. Sally Field, you know, she's pretty popular, so there's no reason not to release it. Right. Uh, but that's my theory hmm. is that it, it that may be what what's preventing it. I know I've heard that's the case with Mayberry RFD, and yeah. I know it's the. With um, with the Jackie Gleason honeymooners, the color ones. Yeah. There's one episode missing where they put on a, uh, a show, and there's some songs in that. So sometimes mm. that's all it takes mm. is it, that the Scooby Doo um, Blu-ray. That oh my gosh, I've been watching that of Scooby Doo movies. Yeah. Which you know, say what you want about the some of the animation, but boy, the color styling, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the only episode missing this time, because there were only about 15 in the other collection, the only me- episode missing now is the one with the Adams Family right. and all the rest. Um, so so if, if you're looking. but Is that well, music on that one, or is it because John Aston said no, or what's the deal? Or the Charles Adams estate. Oh, they you said know, no. <laughs> okay. Because the Adams Family with Janet Waldo and Lenny Weinrut from like 70 three or whatever that's on dvd yeah that's why i was wondering you know what was holding it up so did charles adams was it one of those times where the window of opportunity so they got the 73 series out but they didn't we weren't able to get the scooby-doo one out probably a completely separate contract yeah. they they sometimes uh, sometimes they 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 remember to do it for one thing and they don't for another yeah. um for example um in a, in a case of like a Disney theme park attraction or a show, unless when they when they start out, they will clear, they will purchase a license for commercial recordings at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then that's sometimes the reason why you don't see it come out on a CD. Mm. Um, and then, then again, it becomes expensive to do it after the fact. Right. So they have to do it outright, and that's also a budgetary issue. Yeah. Do we want to even bother? Uh, at this juncture, so yeah. a lot of times it, it, that's that's an issue. Yeah, um, <coughs> yeah. thanks to com- Piggy Lee it's- and Howard Kalin, <laughs> among others, uh, that filed suits about such things. Yeah, I didn't. What did Howard Kalin? Howard Kalin, uh, it's a similar thing to Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee, it was because she, you know, as you know, she had in her contract for all future formats or something to that 
language way back when she recorded Lady and the Tramp. So when it started coming out on VHS tape and everything else, she said, uh, money, please. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but uh, Howard Kalen, it was just a simple matter. He owned, he and uh, um, uh, Mark Volman owned everything to do with the Turtles later on. And everybody and their mother seemed to be putting happy together in everything, and he wasn't getting a piece of any of it. And so that was like a separate but similar lawsuit, and that's why we have all these music rights issues. He talks about it in his autobiography. That's how I know about that one. And this is, Go ahead. This is, go ahead. No, no, there was more. I interrupted you. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's so, I love Howard Kalen. I love his music, but it frustrates me that he was so kind of litigious about it because it does put a crimp in everything because, oh, you can't put out uh, The Flying Nun because of chopsticks, like what you said, <laughs> you know? And I go, oh, come on, give me a break. How much, how much are they going to sell on this? Just put the stupid thing out, you know? It's like, you're not going to make any money off of it. Just put it, yeah. But I get it, you know. I have to be both a fan and also be knowledgeable about what the realities. So, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, and and um, it's interesting because Howard Kalen and Mark Ballman did uh, the Care Bears records for yeah. Kid Stuff Records. They have all of them, and they're pretty good, mm -hmm. actually. Um, not all Kid Stuff records are good. Um, not it's not my favorite label, but uh, when when they did stuff like that when they farm the work to like New York, um, uh, like people like Arthur Shimkin and, and those guys, uh, they were actually quite good. So the Care Bears albums are, are not bad. So yeah. it's like the turtles and the turtles sped up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they also did strawberry shortcake, a couple of those too. Well, if they did, I'm not aware of that. Yeah. They, well, uh, that where I know about that is I have the history of Flo and Eddie and the turtles and there's a little booklet inside, and it mentions it and the Care Bears albums. So I think they did a couple of them on there too. So might want. Doesn't give any more than that. Doesn't say. Oh, uh, it says the titles, but I'd have to look up the booklet. I, if you have that set, that's where it says it. So, and if you don't, you should get that set. It's a pretty good set <laughs> anyway. Um, another question is, and this has probably been asked of you before, is there like an elusive? children's record that you have been searching out for however many years and just cannot find a copy of or wish there was a copy of or whatever well that's that changes yeah it, that changes i wanted that three stooges yogi bear one for a long time and that was um so that i mean my my co-workers it was always kind of the joke the yogi bear and the three stooges the mad mad doctor no no yeah uh that was everybody knew Greg was looking for that, when I, and and so that was the the one I was that I wanted for a long, long time and found that. Um, Hanna, Hanna Barbera, the HBR records uh, weren't. I don't know that they had the best distribution, especially on the East Coast, so it was it was hard to find them. I find them e a little easier on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, uh, right now, I don't know that there's anything voraciously yeah. that I'm for. Um, it's it's more a matter of um, uh, just filling in gaps and, and things like that. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't realize I didn't have that one. Things like that. Like if there are strawberry shortcakes that they did, I I'm, no, I'm not aware of them because most of the ones I have just have a tinkling piano and one lady, like yeah. strawberry, New York, New York. I think like it's that. only two of them, if I'm correct. It's like the first two, and then after that they said, well, we don't need these Flo and Eddie guys. We can get. Anonymous people, so they didn't use them anymore. But 
I, I don't I, know the titles, so anyway. And the, the, David Letterman played the Sherbury Shortcake that I sent uh, uh, on the air. He played uh, he played in New York, New York. On, well, he used to have David's record collection. Mm -hmm. That that was one of the things that I had submitted. submitted. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's really not very good, <laughs> and that was not theirs. Now, now do you collect other things? I forgot the guy's name, but they did a documentary movie about about industrial records where. You know, there's yeah. like these kind of Broadway shows that were only done for private audiences or even just for the company, you know, fill in the blank company, you know. And But some of them were elaborately produced. And again, like some of these records, they had like top people writing the songs and performing them. Do you collect those too? Uh, some of them, actually, I know him. I, that's Steve Young. I know Steve him. Steve Young, yeah, uh, okay. Letter and so uh, we became friends because I had been submitting those things. And I loved this documentary because I, I, I saw a lot of myself and the fact that he, he grew close to these people who, who did this work, you know, when he was meeting the lady who sang my bathroom. Right. Bathroom. <laughs> you know, you get to know these wonderful people who aren't terribly well known, but had this entire fascinating career. And it's 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 such a thrill for you. It's like meeting Herb Duncan. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it. I've, that that scene has happened to me many times. Well, I saw Terry York. Uh, uh, or was it last year? I hadn't seen her in years. And Terry York did many Disney records, and she was a, a feature reporter on the news with George Putnam here in Los Angeles. And uh, sang with uh, the guy who did the music for My Favorite Martian. He was her accompanist. She was a singer, um, and and she's in this dynasty of um, of Hollywood royalty. She was uh, her her son uh, his, was married to is married or was married to uh, I think Loretta Young's daughter. Another relate. She's related through marriage to like Ricardo Montalban, and I mean he has this whole story. He dated John when he. Air, <laughs> you know, I mean, she, th these people are fascinating people, and um, and and the, mostly through through these records, mm -hmm. you get to Roby Lester became like a relative. Hmm. Uh, she was dying of leukemia when um, when uh, uh, it was Rick Goldschmidt who actually located her uh, because of Santa Claus is coming to town, right? And. and uh, because she had, uh, she had developed this fan following that she was completely flabbergasted by. She thought she was completely forgotten. Mm -hmm. And between Rick and and then uh, what our book, uh, Tim and my book, were doing, she was getting fan response, <laughs> and she was the. So um, we, we met Tim and I. Uh, Tim was having these conventions in uh, Alabama. Uh, for Lum and Abner, and they were running out of Lum and Abner people, so they started having cartoon people. Mm. So had, uh, I went to this thing, and they had Sam Edwards, who did a ton of Disney records, and was a character actor you've seen a million times, and Rhoda Williams, who played um, uh, Drizella in uh, Cinderella, mm -hmm. and a lot of other great character actors, and Roby was there. Oh, Dick Beals was there. Oh, yeah. I said, we talked about stuff, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, it and they, they would, like, like they do when they're voice actors, they did skits and things. Well, Roby just 
we just she came back to where we were staying she read read-alongs to my kids <laughs> and we yeah we went to visit her at her home in Fillmore mm-hmm. and her husband and we got so close to her that when she passed away I I I broke down like she was you know a family member we yeah. got so close her so i call her like you know the patron saint of mousetracks because she recorded more individual recordings than any other performer in the history of the disney record label yeah she so many read-alongs she so might, many she might have been the first person i ever heard on a record <laughs> <laughs> ever knew what she looked like yeah you know when tinkerbell rings her little bells like this <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my first records, uh, I had the some random kids' records, but I had the Sesame Street book and record set because Sesame Street was huge, yeah. and uh, a lot of those Disney 33 and a third record readers that you're talking about, and then... Um, what was another one? I had a Mr. Rogers record, which, and all these I still have. So, and they're actually in remarkably good shape. <laughs> and then my dad had these Bozo record readers that he had as a kid, and I kept them. Bozo and his rocket ship, and uh, what's the other one? Bo- Bozo Under the Sea. Those are the two he had. Yeah, Bo- Bozo Under the Sea is, is, uh, is yeah, that was, some of them are reissued in the 70s. Bozo Under the Sea was not. Yeah. That was a out in the 60s and on 78. Yeah, I have a bunch of Sesame Streets, too. Some of those are just tremendously yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have a cutoff? Like, do you buy even current stuff if there's something that catches your interest, or do you just say, eh? <laughs> no, no, actually, I do. There's just not yeah. a whole lot. Um, yeah. There, there aren't as many new things out. But um, when there was... Uh, I was Phineas and Ferb. I loved, and I was buying that stuff. And I still, I still buy every Disney read-along. So I've got Chuck uh-huh. stuff and, and um, uh, all of those, all of the newest stuff. And I just bought the new Looney Tunes soundtrack, which which came out uh, only for download. Hmm. Um, and there's two Scoob soundtracks. There's the uh, the musical one and the background music one. Um, <laughs> also download. So yeah, so I do still buy. The new stuff. I was uh, when the Wiggles were on. I, I was always I was buying their albums a year at least before they came to America because I was seeing them eBay and said, "What in the world are these guys?" And it was cool because their music was kind of retro. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why they they appealed so much. There's this tendency to for for companies to be a little too dependent on research, and they they all they do is get their their they either get their own thoughts back or they get the same they get the same responses back because the frame of reference isn't wide enough so you sometimes have to go with your gut and the wiggles hit big i think because they didn't sound like everyone else right and so they were really really popular and i liked them because they had an eclectic sound they would do they did beach party music they did slow stuff they did cowboy stuff they did all kinds of music and then they had this really appealing show with Captain Feather Sword and all this stuff. And my kids at the time were growing up and watching it. But I, you know, I did too. I've got Teletubbies and I mean, it's weird, but I've got, I don't get Teletubbies, but, <laughs> but I have. Um, but I, but yeah, I, I always try to keep up with, with as much as I can. Um, there's just, um, there's, there's just very, very few because, um, and there's also video game music. Uh, my son is, mm. is the king. 
video games. So um, King, I love Kingdom Hearts. And what we usually do is it's like, okay, I'm going to get this CD set. Uh, either I'm keeping it well, and, and making you a copy or vice versa. So I keep the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> and the, the, the Zeldas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've gone to the Zelda concerts and things like that. So that's also stuff that uh, kids love. And I love the fact that that's symphonic music that kids are listening to as well. Because, um, I mean, all I, again, I, I think there was a scene on X-Files. I'll put it this way. There was Kurt <laughs> Rath- guest starred in X-Files and he played God and at one point his trunk of his car opened and there were hundreds of CDs in the trunk and they said what are all these CDs doing there and he said well I love all music and I thought <laughs> well of course God loves all music because God made music you know if, if that is your belief <laughs> if you believe in an entity anyway <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to shoehorn this in because it has nothing to do with anything we talked about, but I did tease it at the beginning, and you told me the story right before we started recording, so I want you to tell me now. So what was the Archie story? How did you get involved with them? You said you're a huge Archie fan and you like my Dan Parent episode. Thank you very much. Uh, so how was you, what was your Archie story, how you got to work for Archie? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Um, I wrote my very first professional writing was because i got paid was <laughs> getting a thing published in archie club news i i proudly wore my pin and i carried my my press card when i was in the archie club i wish they still had that i think that's a great thing mm-hmm. and, and they published my story i got i got uh, pen pal letters one was from a soldier in vietnam i was i wrote about sugar sugar and uh, Jingle Jangle and the radio station that I listened to and he was from the same area and it made him very homesick and he said I love those songs and that's the same station I listen to so that's how powerful Archie is mm-hmm. don't don't mess with Archie don't me- <laughs> now what don't, what, is, don't. what issue was that or was it in a particular month set of issues I don't remember how they used to do that well, they they would they sent you the check from the Chase Manhattan Bank, which I made a Xerox of, <laughs> and they, a letter, and they told you the it was a form letter, and they they sort of uh, stamped in what the issue was going to be, and it was months away, so I was just dying until it came out. It was Reggie and Me number forty five. Oh, okay, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the and the gag on the front was Reggie giving a speech. He says, "Can we do anything about the litter program in, in Riverdale?" And, Mr. Weatherby says, yes, Reggie, throw your speech in the wastebasket. Uh-huh. And Victor Gorelick, who, who was just a terrific person, and, mm-hmm. you know, I spent time talking to him, and uh, you know, in person and on the phone, and he said, I remember that issue. I worked on that issue. I remember that <laughs> gag. And it's like, the guy had this encyclopedia. Um, it was, he was astonishing. And, and so I, I started to write for him. And he and the hardest thing about writing was selling an idea. He said, "We've done everything. Come up with something." Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the tough thing about Tom and Jerry too. It's a cat and a mouse. Go, you know. <laughs> okay, did it. We did it. All right. You know? He he eats them this time. Oops, no. <laughs> Thought of it. We threw the two up in the air. There's Lance first. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard when you've got something where hundreds and thousands have been done mm-hmm. to come up with some new angle. You know, 
give them give them a, a trend uh get do stay away from diets stay away from uh shopping we you know diets aren't a good idea to do because of you know disorders uh don't uh don't do shopping we've done it to death you know right that was the way he was thinking at the time um uh but just you know so i just would send tons and tons of ideas and then he would pick them and uh it was when you got when you wrote them as he said they kind of wrote themselves because the characters just talked in your head yeah now you know them so well i don't know about you but when i read a comic book the the original cast is doing the voices and so it's it's kind of like they just do yeah Uh, it's like that was writing and the character brought the characters to life you know yeah for me it was um, always the filmation cast yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> i know there was radio shows but i didn't hear those till many years later yeah um. so so it's it's it, it's kind of it's kind of that way and and i i i just i just found it delightfully fun i i kind of invented a one-time character uh uh sherlock uh Tadlock Holmes, I think his name was, because he was this this detective kid who came to Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he—it's not like it was—it was a one shot. But Bob Bowling illustrated one, which was oh my gosh, look who they got! Oh my gosh, he did one. Um, I think the, my favorite one I did was for drama class. Miss Grundy asked them to, um, to do role playing, so she she asked each one of them to switch personalities with the other and pretend they're the other one which was a blast because you can <laughs> veronica pretending to be betty the way she thinks she is and she's like you know oh oh my goodness who shall i help today what night <laughs> la 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 so good you know and and, and betty's like i'm so shallow you know and it was and moose had to be dilton you know and archie had to be reggie and it was <laughs> the stories were so much fun to do um, and, and, and it was, it was great. And I was, uh, you know, I did, I did quite a few of them and you had to go hunting for them because you didn't really get a sample. They just, they just, I got some in the full size and some in the digest. So I had to go to Walden books mm. and just racks and leaf through. And at the time the, the digests had a story at the front and some were buried in the middle. So you just had to go in the store and flip, um, mm until you found them and then it was like christmas day yeah you know <laughs> and still print them because jerry beck uh speaking of, of jerry jerry beck we were um we were uh i was we were talking one day and he says i was at ralph's the other day and there was this archie um and i was just looking through it while i was checking out i see craig airbar in there so i said <laughs> like the story <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you write for them it wasn't for too long because I was getting real busy at that time because I was still working at Disney. You know, they they did they allowed you to freelance as long as it wasn't. It was the same as Dan Parent told you. As long as they didn't see it as a conflict, yes. as long as you your management knew. I was never one to sneak around. I'm I'm painfully honest, and um, as long as they didn't see it as a direct you know thing, and they didn't see Archie as a they didn't own Marvel at the time. And, and while they had comics, they didn't have, like he said, they weren't teen comics. It was a different market. Right. Uh, and, and so what I, what I was doing, I always would say, 
Um, you know, even when I was doing Rhino, I called my friends at Disney Records and said, do you see this play? He says, no, it's a small concern and you got, you know, it's fine by me. And when I wrote Mousetracks, um, the only stipulation was you've got to run it by Disney Press, see if they want it. And they said, it's too niche, so go right ahead. And I still ran the entire manuscript through legal and then ran it through the archives, which was really great. Uh, to, to get their input. And then when we asked to have it sold on Disney Park property, the merchandise people had to approve it again. And hmm. Tim and I were excited because they, they actually sold it in the store in Cinderella Castle. So hmm. we were taking pictures of each other next to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, I don't even know if that store exists anymore, but uh, they did sell it for a while in the park. Right. And... Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the book here. It's University Press of Mississippi is what ended up yes. publishing it. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, but with with complete approval, we we uh, got permission for the photos, and and uh, you know everything in there was done with with total total help. The nicest thing about the book was that it brought a lot of attention to people who had been kind of underappreciated and sometimes forgotten. So while the manuscript was being circulated. Uh, people like Tutti Camerata were um, uh, being uh, discussed, mm -hmm. and this is when Legends program was relatively new. Mm -hmm. So I got a phone call one day saying, what, is Tutti Camerata on good terms with us? You know, because some people, you don't know how they left and things like that. And I told them what I told you. He, he was so grateful. And, um Shortly after that, he, he got the Disney Legend Award. That's cool. And, mm -hmm. it was, and Lester went to the thing, and Sherman, uh, Richard Sherman went, and it, it, it was it was a great, his family, and it was a great thing because it happened before he died. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Johnson, who ran the record company, got it, and Ginny Tyler. Mm -hmm. So the fact that while they were on the list, the, the, the fact that they... Um, People like Stacia Martin and, and things uh, were, were pushing for it. Having the manuscript circulating with information about them helped uh, spur on the committee to approve them getting it. And I think that, you know, it, that's kind of like makes me feel like it, that's kind of why you, you do what you do, mm -hmm. really, is to for, 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 for the recognition of people like that. Um, I, I learned from Sunset Sound that after the book came out, uh, they, they, Disney itself wasn't really aware of the existence of Sunset Sound and its, its Disney history, and they started recording again at that studio. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot there, and both Frozen and Frozen 2's vocals recorded there. In fact, the uh, Dina Mazel and Dina Adina Menzel recorded her vocals in the same studio that Prince used for Purple Rain. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> now, did you help out? There's another book I had to walk over and get because it's on my shelf. Um, did you help out or are you aware of the Golden Age of Walt Disney Records, 33 to 88? It's a price guide no. by R. Michael Murray. Did you help out on that, that one in any way? I'm grateful for it, not only because we used it heavily for Mousetracks, um, that was that was a major reference, so was Jimmy Johnson's biography, which um, I also worked on editing. That came out later, um, but that book was a tremendous reference. It's pretty much the only reference 
that has the discography in it. We, we didn't have room for a discography and we wanted to tell the story. That's the closest thing to a reference um, for almost anybody. Um, there's only, there's only, you know, random errors here and there, but it's the most comprehensive listing okay. that there is. I actually use it all the time because when I'm doing, uh, Jerry's, uh, uh, the, the column for Jerry, I look up the dates because I know the, the years, but there's even months in there. Right. And since other source, really, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, ask the Disney archives to find out a month. I'm just going <laughs> to get the months from there and, and go from that because quite often even, People uh, at records use use that book. From what I gather, um, it's the closest thing. There are, there are some some minor mistakes in it, but a lot of it is very very accurate. Um, the, the pricing is. I think the only reason they put pricing in there is because publishers just want it because people just yeah. like to see. But I don't <laughs> think they're in their day. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't know. Apart from the you know the the high end uh, Disney soundtracks we were talking about earlier. I don't think any particular Disney record is that hard to find. Maybe old 78s or something, but, yeah, or some. Um, Alice in Wonderland with the original cover is one of the rarest, um, but it still pops up. People generally want quite a bit for it. Uh, with the with Alice in the Tree, that's from 57. Mm -hmm. That's expensive. Um, I'm perfectly happy with the 59 cover because that's the one I grew up with. Yeah. And the difference is that... There, the album was really originally recorded with no um, banding. It was one continuous band, like a suite. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. When there was no break between the songs. And you can tell, because when you listen to it with the bands, the songs kind of end abruptly. <laughs> uh, and so uh, what I originally did, because I didn't have the original version, is I just edited them together to see what it would sound like. But um, sometimes they, the 59 one... Some some editions of the 59 one had that version in it, and some did not. So um, if you look on eBay enough, you'll find that one with the with the red 59 cover, and I did manage to find that one, and that's what I have. I, I just don't, much as I love that album, I just don't have the means and the will to have to spend that kind of money on it. I don't have every nor can I ever have everything. Okay. <laughs> wasn't sure there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, go I ahead. so much use on her dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she's, she's as patient as she can be, but she's also like, you've got to, you've got to at some point have to say no, because you just can't. <laughs> you've got um, to stop. You have a problem. No, just kidding. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> What are you working on now, uh, since you've done, like, everything for Disney and everything else all these years? Well, what I write for Disney most consistently is um, I, when you call the parks and you and you're put on hold, you get this recording with an announcer um, who tells you about the latest attractions and things like that, and then you have music, and he tells you what you just listened to. Part of that, uh, the, the song always reflects on the attraction or the subject mm -hmm. sometimes natural um fit you know we'll talk about pirates of the caribbean and you're going to hear yo ho um sometimes there isn't a song for the subject and that's where i decide what the song is going to be myself sometimes i edit 
the the song the music down because it's kind of long like some of the attraction pieces are super long and i cut them down um sometimes we lengthen the the bridges things like that um, so that the announcer has something nice to talk over so it, it plays like a show you know I, I i'm astonished how i know how they when you're put on hold they can't make it a more pleasant experience but this is disney so your your experience begins the moment you dial the phone wow. so dedicated to making that as much of an experience as everything else you do so i really do work hard on every aspect of it mm -hmm. so and, and of course you know i try to put things that i that i like in there but only where appropriate i mean i don't force things in where they don't fit but i have had i have had occasion to put Haley mills and <laughs> um, I don't Annette was in there, but uh, Haley Mills was. Um, Alice in Wonderland is, um, but it fits because because uh, we talk about Disneyland. Well, we're not now because Disneyland's closed, but when we do talk about Disneyland, um, we put um, uh, the the Camerata version because it, it they do play part of the album mm -hmm. still, uh, both on Storybook Land and on the queue line for the attraction. Mm -hmm. So that. Uh, is part of Disneyland as well. So uh, things like that, you know. Um, so I'm always having to keep up on the latest attractions because I'm always writing about them. <laughs> uh, fun thing, and that, that gets updated several times a year for, this, for different seasons and every time new attractions come in. So that's something that I regular, regularly work on. Um, I do occasional articles uh, for various Disney things and do speaking things here and there. Um, I write for Emmys.org, which is a completely different thing. I write for, I mean, I, I'm not pigeonholed because I wrote about um, a production company that re uh, represents uh, uh, underrepresented producers and writers from various uh, demographics. I wrote about um, street uh, street soccer mm. and the, the, the BYU channel. Um uh, I mean, just anything they give me, uh, I'll write about. Whether I know about it or not, I'll figure it out and learn about it. Uh, Ernie, that was fun because I know about Ernie Kovacs. But, um, <laughs> but, but that kind of thing. I do DVD reviews for a radio show called TV Confidential hmm. um, uh, for, the, for different kinds of TV shows. Not just the new ones, but for the DVDs that have been out for a while that people may have overlooked or forgotten about or things like that, because I feel like there's so much stuff out there that it's very easy to forget that a cool show exists um, and, and about it. Um, so that's that's pretty much what I've been, been working on. And still, Tom and Jerry still in production, so still still working on stories for that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's pretty much it. And about how often do you submit an article to Jerry for cartoon research? Every every uh, every other week we do an animation span. I've been um, it, um, it's hitting its anniversary in October. It's going to be about eight years. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. um, and then Jerry also asks me to do animation scoop articles. Uh, just did one. Uh, what was that on? I forget. It was on. Oh gosh. Oh uh, golly, I, I don't remember what it was, but it was it was so much fun. <laughs> and I. It was, but it, but it, uh, yeah, but every so often they'll say, do you, would you like to do this one? And 
and I'll say, yes, I would like to do this one. And then I'll interview somebody for it. And, um, and it's, it's for any aspect of animation all over the place. A lot of times, because I have my own website, uh, gregovision.com. Someday all websites will be like, Gregovision. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was, a, my daughter says, what a stupid name. I said, so is Google. <laughs> it was Yahoo, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the stupider, the better. Yeah. So, so I, I'll write about things on there. And so what reviews don't fit other places I'll, I'll write for that. So I've written reviews. I wrote about the Muppets, uh, the new Muppets on uh, uh, from Disney Plus on there. Mm-hmm. And I about this strange uh, documentary, just because I felt like it, that was about the young Americans that I saw on TCM and I found it on YouTube. Because <laughs> um, I just thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of just random things I, I think about. And I write on, on there just about every week. Um, so so that, that's kind of fun. Uh, just pop culture musings, that kind of thing. And you can see a lot of the videos and commercials and ads that I've worked on also. I, uh, I don't know if the Archie covers are on there or not. I <laughs> think they... I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, so. uh, um, I want to thank you very much. Anything uh, you want to plug? Or You already said your website, but I mean... <laughs> any other projects you're working on that you want to plug? Uh... Not yet. Um, I think I might have something coming out next year, but we're still in the talking stages. Um, so that that, but that's next year. Yeah. So something coming down the line, um, but it's too soon to to get into that. But um, you know, if you want to, but uh, no, just uh, just you know that just what we've been talking about, and with the holidays coming, if anybody hasn't seen. You can listen to TV Confidential uh, anywhere. It's, it's on the uh, podcast. It's on its podcast as well as a TV show. Mm-hmm. And the website's tvconfidential.net. There's a lot of other stuff on there. I'm only on occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, and also, uh, besides the website, with Christmas coming, um, pick up your copy of Santa Claus Coming to Town. Those shows have really been nicely restored, mm-hmm. and they look beautiful on blu-ray they they didn't just throw them on blu-ray like they did before universal has some execs that really like these specials because they i was shocked they even did bonus features because the last round they were just sort of how to make puppets or you know it was one of those kind of uh, they were just cute uh, what i call cute extras but they weren't historic so to do historic things like that and i got people like John Favreau and um, Henry Selleck and the Giotto brothers. Um, it was pretty astonishing the people they got to speak about Rankin Bass and really draw attention to how important it was. Just like a, about six weeks ago, TCM had a Rankin Bass night, mm-hmm. and, and Mankiewicz was talking about Rankin Bass as an important uh, animation entity, which I thought that's great. You know, that's really great to hear the commentary that he said, um, because it, it's nice that that's, that that's what that's what it should be thought of as. You know, their, their contributions were tremendous as, as movie makers as well as as TV show producers. Mm-hmm. I would love to see The Hobbit get re-released in a restored version because the ones that are out don't look very good. Yeah. And, you know, that was the first film version ever that was done. 
Of course, you're talking about different company there. I mean, aren't those owned by Warner Brothers, whereas the ones you worked on, those are the ones owned by Classic Media or Universal well, now, I guess? <laughs> there's Univer Classic Media Universal owns everything up to 1970, I believe. And then Warner goes from 71 on. Yeah. That works. Um, the weird thing about The Hobbit is Warner did reissue it once, but then a lot of low-budget companies started releasing it, and the prints didn't look very good. So The Hobbit did come out once on Warner, and The Return of the King did. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where it is now as far as a, a really decent reissue. And you would have thought with The Hobbit feature film, the live action, that they would have done it again. But instead, there were just these not-so-great versions. Hmm. Interesting. Which, me. I don't know what, there, there must be, again, some kind of legal issue that put it into limbo. Yeah. Um, or, reason, since you're saying it's kind of an inferior version that's out, maybe it takes a lot more work to remaster it than they're willing to do. <laughs> well, you know what? I think you hit on it. I think you hit on it. It, it, it takes thousands of dollars of studio time um, and, and, and digital work to go back and fix that stuff. And uh, I think that's that, that's exactly what it is, the, the, the time it takes. And the fact that when you're dealing with HD and with Blu-ray, the flaws show so much. <laughs> yeah. Get, is to go to that trouble. So the dilemma is we can't really release it without it looking bad, and we can't afford to redo it, um, so we're stuck. Yeah. That's why a lot of stuff doesn't get reissued. Um, you know, but my feeling is I could get run over by a bus tomorrow. I'd rather see it. I'd rather, you know, like put, I watched Wally Gator all the way through two nights this week. Mm -hmm. All the way. And, you know, so I, I, I must really love Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> well, that early stuff is great. I mean, even the stuff that's kind of a little bit subpar that we're talking pre-Scooby-Doo again, you know, it's still watchable in some weird way. Yeah. <laughs> it's delightful. You know what? It is. And it has and it has more more funny stuff in it than you probably remember. But you know what? Some of those were 16-millimeter prints. Some of them had the sound quality was all over the place. I had to keep raising it and lowering it. Um, some of them were washed out. Some of them are crispy clean. Um, but So that's why it was on archive instead of on mainstream. Yeah. And I'd still like to see Touche Turtle. I've heard that they look horrible, the prints. But I said, hey, I'd rather have them than not. Uh, well, but we may not get them. <laughs> we may not get them because with Wally Gator and Lippy the Lion, only about 10% of them look bad. Yeah. But I have a 80% of the Touches look bad, and they must all be 16s. Because yeah. when you watch scene on a large screen TV, you know, it's just all grainy. And if all the Touches look that way, they're just... A lot of people just don't understand. You can't send. It's like what Alan Brady said to Rob. What am I going to do? Hand a pamphlet to everybody in the audience? You know, <laughs> not everybody gets it. And even if you have a disclaimer saying these are the finest ones we could ever find, like they do sometimes, they, people just don't always accept that. Um, and and my, but my feeling is, give me the banana splits. I don't care if 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 somebody spilled coffee on it. I I want it. You know yeah. because. Oh. We don't even know if there's going to be a world, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, know, and, you know, I know there's rights issues on certain things, but it's like, 
I, I, banana splits is a good example. We could talk for another hour about this, but uh, you know, it's like there is a version on DVD. It's not perfect, but it is out. But it's not in the U.S., so it's a region two or something like that. I have it, but you know, it's like what's holding it up here? The country that made it? You know, I don't know. It's always some weirdness, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that could be that could be a music thing too, because a lot of different music people were involved in that. Um, that that could be the other reason. Um, the other and and is the, I haven't seen the region two. Are those the hours or the half hour spliced ones? It's the syndicated versions, but, yeah, but you, it's better than none. <laughs> better as as Bert says, better than a finger in your eye. I'll take that. Yeah, and it looks pretty good. So it is the syndicated versions. Of course, I'd like the original with the Kellogg's openings and everything like that. But, but who knows? <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, why, are you going to just keep waiting? Because look at the people. Many people have passed away who were waiting. Yeah. And then it at all. Yeah. So oh, we're, that's just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I understand that. And I don't really like to buy things over and over again. Mm. And, and I don't disagree. But I also feel like... Um, I'm going to pass through this world only once, as this philosopher wow. said. So if I may not have my banana splits now. <laughs> <laughs> but I do go the bootleg route, but if the legitimate one comes out, like I had Batman on tape, the Adam West series, I had it on DVD, and then they finally put it out on the proper version. I bought it again. So it's like if these companies are worried, no, I'll buy it when you put out the legitimate release. <laughs> I just... Oh, I... I... A single a single fan wouldn't. I really I really don't. I think they're very aware of that. I think that they. It must be very frustrating to know that there is revenue, especially now. Yeah. That they they could be getting, and that things are. But it, but I do feel like, like I said uh, earlier, just take a look at take a look at your paperwork and see when the last time you asked was, because especially now. Where are they? Where are the people? You know, where's their circumstances? Who, who's changed hands? Um, maybe they need the money now, where they didn't before. Mm-hmm. Maybe soften to the idea. Ask them again. Uh, you know, it, it's like when you go to a collector thing. You didn't buy it last time. It's still sitting in their store. Maybe they'll take five bucks off this time. You know, <laughs> always happens. Somebody posts something. You don't buy it. It's sitting there. Some people may reduce it, you know, make an offer. It's 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 the, it's it's just the way the world works. It's amazing to me. Um, and I dealt with with some wonderful business affairs people over the years, and my feeling was, okay, I understand that now. Um, who else do we ask? Or let's revisit it. Remember, I asked you about that six months ago. Can we ask again? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times personnel changed mm-hmm. some their job who said no or didn't want to check you know <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the thing so i don't i don't know i don't know well it's, i hope the personnel changes i know jerry beck does some wonderful stuff he's always on Stu showstack's show saying all the problems he faces and yet they still manage to get some things out so my kudos to him i'll tell him next time when he is on my show <laughs> Oh, but, and Jerry, Jerry is incredible, and Jerry has single-handedly done so much. And people like George Feldstein and and all the people at Warner Archive. I mean, every every company should have a Warner Archive mm-hmm. uh, for 
they have the kind of stuff that isn't the 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 mainstream isn't you know is for the specific audience so that they don't have to worry um so much and that they have they can have a place to put that material um for those who want it that that is a brilliant brilliant thing and look at look at how well it's done for warner and how much how massive an amount of material would have just sat yeah you know Disney, um, Disney kind of does it with their movie club, and now I guess kind of on Disney Plus. But I wish they do more. I mean, I understand well, the rights issues and the quality issues and the remastering issues, but it's like, you know, it's like there's so many things. Barring Song of the South, I'm not talking about that. Just so many older things that they did for TV, just kind of lost, you know, right now. There's uh, it's gravy money. There's so much material that's, that is perfectly not. In, in the in the offensive category, it's perfectly lovely, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I joined Disney Movie Club was for that very reason. I looked in the little magazine. It's like, and now you don't get the magazine unless you ask for it. And I got to go on the website. What did they release? Yeah. So they made made it like an extra step. Now I got to go look it up. What did they release that I can buy? Because the monthly selection isn't um, is never the special, you know, the the members only thing. Yeah, and that. 20th Century Fox stuff, or, or 20th, whatever they're calling it. They're slipping that stuff in there, and it's like, well, it's the Disney Movie Club, isn't it? So now it's like, well, if you're going to start doing that, is that going to push out what I joined this for? Yeah. It, 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 they're, are they going to crowd out the... And it's not like there aren't even great stuff in the, in the 20th catalog that would fall under there, but... They're just putting spies in disguise and things like yeah. that in there. That's not, you know, that that you could get on Amazon. Yeah. You know, right. I, I want exclu- club exclusive and <laughs> I join. They actually called me one day out of the blue, and I took the time to do their questionnaire poll, and uh, they said, what do you want to see? And I want to see, I said, I want to see more of the shows that were on the Disney Anthology show from the 50s to the 80s, hosted by Walt or not, you know, it doesn't matter, Um, if he didn't host the later ones, you know, obviously after he died, but but I want to see those coming out at least on DVD, you know, if not Blu-ray, and they go, hmm, never thought of that, you know, really? And, uh, you know, yeah, you're Disney, you know, quit pushing all this other stuff that's not really Disney, like Star Wars and Marvel. I get it. You own it. But, you know, it's like Disney is what I signed up for. That's why I got Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I want Disney stuff, you know. Uh, well, I think I, I, I do know from having worked there that they, they, they painstakingly read every letter. Yeah. And they put red. Whether it gets to the right person, I can't say. But it might get to the assistant or someone in the department of the right person. Um, but it gets read. They they uh, they have every every division has a letter um, area. I used to, I knew people who worked in those areas, and when I would get them, because I would get letters, <laughs> uh, they'd have the stamp, you know, and where it came from on it. Sometimes I call the person and. Not the person who wrote it, but the person who sent it to me. Um, sometimes they were really nice, you know, or they'd come from kids and things like that. Um, but they do they do take letters seriously. Mm-hmm. Putting on um, on Facebook, you're just talks, you know, preaching to the choir, um, inventing, which you know we all have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you send them, you know, the fact that they said, I oh, never thought of that. Well, sometimes they get very internalized and, and kind of cocooned and, yeah. um, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily, and they also don't think that's the mainstream. That's the constant thought of, well, that's not what we're hearing. Well, that's because they're not hearing it. So, yeah. I, you know, the, the big thing that surprised me was there was a pie chart on USA Today that said that their their biggest their biggest viewership on Disney Plus was classics, above all of the stuff they bought, all of their new material, all their new product. It, it was classics. So that that says that the public has spoken. You've got young families who you know they're thinking, well, young they only want you know this and this and this. No, young families don't have DVDs and Blu-rays of all the classics. They want their kids to see them, yeah. and and they they you know one way or the other, that's what they want to see. And fans want to see all the all the stuff they love, and they don't necessarily they don't necessarily have that that communication, mm-hmm. um, and. And a lot of them do want it. They they hire these consultant firms. What you were talking to that research, they spend a fortune on all this stuff. How it how that research gets back to them, how that is funneled, how that is edited, or whatever is, is varies, um, and how it moves from hand to hand varies. It's a big, 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 big company. Mm-hmm. So you surprise. I, I can tell you that back when the Disney Marathon was new in Florida, they had a VP who took all of the Disney out of it. He yeah. said, nothing magical about this, mar- you know, it was this, there's nothing fantasy, I know, the, the slogan was something like, there's nothing magical, there's nothing, there's nothing make-believe, or something like that. He said, he, he decided he was going to make it all real, and not make it fantasy and frivolous. <laughs> and, and, you know, because he was from the sports world and he didn't relate. You know, they sometimes will hire people for their tremendous resumes, but they don't particularly get Disney. And this guy didn't. And and so he totally changed the image of the marathon. This this guy who was the head of our running group wrote a letter. I saw his letter. And, and, and then I saw his letter internally. And they, they saw it. And in a year... I don't know if it was just his letter or other people's letters or what, but the next year they didn't use that campaign because people dress like Mickey um, in in the marathon. People dress like ladies dress like Tinkerbell. Couples dressed in their in their wedding clothes and got married in the marathon. <laughs> I proposed to my wife after my marathon. <laughs> I, I, I ran eleven marathons. Um, you know, and and I didn't dress like anything, but I listened to Disney stuff while I ran the marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not it's not like any other. My 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 um, slogan was, and they ran happily ever after <laughs> um, for a couple of years. My point is this: that they they need feedback. They want feedback. Um, otherwise, they're talking to themselves. Um, it's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not unwelcome if it's done in a civil tone. Yeah. Um, um, it, it, it's called input. Yeah. You know? Well, I will it's, say, I don't know if my comments had anything to do with it, but uh, the one item that did come out, if you don't have this, I'd recommend it. Uh, they did put out the complete uncut with the Walt openings of um, uh, Scarecrow of Romney Marsh, three-part on Blu-ray, and... Uh, that was after, long after 
my conversation with them about what they should put out. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so they did put that out. So, but I wish they'd do more like that, you know. I bought Saludos Amigos and Three Calvieros on Blu-ray, and that was only available through the movie yeah. club. But good Lord, that's so worth it. And that's why I stick with it, because any minute now, I'm afraid to, to discontinue, because any minute now, something else like that will be released. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't need the Book of Life. I have the Book of Life, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, it's not, that's not why I joined. If I Then I join, they should create the 20th you know, movie club. I, I don't see that. There's too much already of Disney that I need. Don't don't muddy the waters yeah. uh, of that. Don't add so much that it's really unlikely I'm going to see Windwagon Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm dying for Windwagon Smith, but I I always use that as the most obscure title I can possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever they there's these surveys of who's your favorite character, I always put win well, well, I mean, I can tell you ones now that I want to see, and these are just obscure. You know, maybe not to you, but you know, it's like uh, they did two uh, Whiz Kid movies in the seventies. And the second one I loved the best is the Whiz Kid and the Carnival Caper. But I want the mystery at Riverton one too, and it's like they could put that out on a DVD set or a Blu-ray set, you know, or something. Or even on the Disney Plus, which I'd be kind of grumpy about because now I have to figure out a way to get a copy of it, you know. But you know, it's like uh, it's just like in limbo, you know. I don't know what happened to these things. Now people could say, "Oh, it's it needs remastering and or whatever." But didn't a lot of these things? I did not get Disney Channel because I was not a big cable person in the '80s because of where I lived. Uh, basically, cable didn't exist. <laughs> And uh, so I didn't get cable until the 90s, and by that time, Disney Channel had stopped running a lot of the old stuff. They they would, you know, they do what they do now. is like they they bait you with, like, the early Disney stuff and then slowly transition over to, like, current stuff that you're like, eh, I don't care about this. Give me more of that old stuff, you know. Um, so did they ever show all that old stuff on the Disney Channel back in the early 80s, or did you not get that? Uh -oh. Like like crazy, they showed they showed tons and tons of it. Yeah, um, they slowly transitioned because that was the nature of the cable business. Yeah, um, most cable channels except TCM, which I think I'm I'm thinking that that must have been some dictum from Ted Turner to per perpetuity. At least I'm praying that's the case because it's the only channel that doesn't hasn't done it. They almost have this five year plan that they eventually replace the the programming with originals because. It's, it just seems to work better for them uh, as a brand. Yeah. But Di Disney did do that. They, they slowly moved the old stuff to the middle of the night, and, and then they created this identity for themselves that worked for them financially and from a brand standpoint, and it, it just worked for them. And it, it really wasn't the Disney Channel. It was the Disney Junior and the Disney Teen Channel. And, it, and you know, my kids loved it when they were the proper age, and then that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, but we don't know yet what what streaming is going to be because um, they may not follow the same pattern. So I'm looking at it as a from a positive standpoint um, because the response to classics has been good, yeah. and because Disney has suddenly led the pack. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, forgot they CBS changed their name to Paramount Plus, copy them. Um, that that maybe Disney will mine that and it could be the the reason they haven't hit on it yet 
is for the same reason we were talking about Warner is that they've got it. They're probably in the process of getting it restored um, right now because of studio time and all with with COVID. It might be difficult. Maybe they're anxious to get that stuff done, and they haven't. You know, when it was on the Disney Channel, it didn't always look good. The Mouse Factory. Okay, that was my next question. Yeah, did it look good? Yeah, kind of muddy and sounded real bad. I'd love to see it restored, but it'll cost a fortune. Yeah, I always wanted uh, Leonard Malton to do a Mouse Factory tin, and it's like the way Malton is. It's like if it happened after Walt died, it was no good. You know, it's like eh, I disagree, but that's why I wrote my book. I don't know if you're familiar with my Disney book that I wrote. Oh, yeah, I read Frozen okay. in Time. Yeah, I know, I know yeah, you wrote. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> you know, because that's what I grew up with. Yes, I grew up with the other stuff, too, but it's like it always frustrated me that Malton's Disney films just kind of abruptly stopped. It's like uh, Happiest Millionaire was the last thing he did. Well, uh, what about Love Bug? Walt kind of was involved with that a little bit. Uh, how about going into the set? You know, and it's like... You know, I, I just don't like the rest of the story. I want the whole story. <laughs> Sorry, you know, but well, it's it's there's a lot of stuff that that was wonderful then, and and usually when people ask me what's on those on those pages, I'll usually put stuff that not everybody does. Like I love the Littlest Horse Thieves. I think yeah. that's one of the. I love that movie. Yeah. It's like it it reminds me of uh, of how green was my valley almost. It's, mm-hmm. it's a terrific movie and it's so forgotten you know that kind of stuff and it's on disney plus but what what i'm saying is that maybe maybe they're they're willing you know if they've got the money to do it and that seems to be their one of their biggest divisions now maybe they'll look into it because people seem there is a place i guess on their website to request and i just think time is best spent by fans to 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 give them a barrage of messages because they, they, um, you know, like, like what did, what did they say on the back of Peter Pan records? You know, did you enjoy this Irwin the disco duck album? (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder how many people wrote in. (laughs) Well, see, I've just never been one to write in, but I think I will since of what you're saying, if if it gets responded to, see, I've always thought, yeah, I send my suggestions. I've actually have written in a few times. I've written into CBS Viacom about Terry Tunes, you know, crickets, 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 you know, example. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I always think Disney's not going to listen. They like their Star Wars and their Marvel stuff, you know. It's like, uh, which is fine, you know. And it's And I'm going to, you said that more people are uh, doing Disney Plus for Disney, which I'm happy to hear because everyone that I know that actually has Disney Plus, the only reason they got it is because of the Mandalorian or uh, Hamilton, you know. And it's like, well, yeah, I watch those things, but kind of like reluctantly. I didn't care. You know know what? I'm telling you, Mandalorian's a great show. Yeah, well, no, I liked it. You know, I was surprised. And uh, Hamilton even more so because sometimes musicals get overly hyped and stuff like that, but I actually enjoyed it. It was like, okay, all right. I get it. And they're over, and what else? So, you know, there's other stuff to look at. And so you go through the directory, and you go, oh, I never heard of that. Oh, I never yeah. heard of that. But, I mean, I know friends of mine that they were going to get Disney Plus just for The Mandalorian, for example, and then cancel it. And I go, well, there's, like, all this other stuff. You know, even National Geographic has a pretty good representation on there. You know, and it's like there's a lot of Muppet stuff, and it's like, you know, and you're just going for one show and then canceling? Okay. You know, but... I- <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you something. When I was younger, 
when I was much younger and, and I was collecting Disney records, I used to be afraid that I would get, you know, there, there weren't that many. Because, you know, back in the day, there was no eBay. The catalogs didn't list everything. And I thought, well, eventually I'm going to get them all. And it's going to be sad because then I'll have them all and I'll, you know, there'll be no more fun. And I just didn't realize how much was out there. And I think there are a lot of people who don't, who think everything like that is very finite. And they, they can't even see, because a lot of times what I'll write, especially when people write about Hamilton and how they've discovered, you know, this thing, and they don't really know musicals or greatest, greatest um, uh, showman. It's, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. I love the songs and stuff. And that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's opened a door. And what I'll say is now that you like this, you know, seek out this one, this one, this one, this one. See if you like it. Yeah. You might not. But, but seek it out. There's an entire world for you to explore. You know, because that's what I would do if, if I liked um, something. In a Disney thing, it's like, oh, Dinah Shore is in this thing. I wonder what else she's done. Yeah. You know, that's that's what you do. And, and that's where, that's part, that's what makes your life rich. Yeah. You know? So that's why, that's why, that's the cool thing about streaming both, both on uh, for audio and for video is, and 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 sometimes, and I don't believe in letting the algorithm tell me where to go next, because I do like the fact that you can you know look up names and stuff and find other related things, but I don't want that algorithm to take me to that Tiger Hunter show or something, because that's just <laughs> that's just trying to support marketing so they can say everybody wants to watch the same show. Yeah. No, they don't. I want to make my own decisions. Exactly. And, you know, that's why I have my wish list, my want lists, and, you know, watch lists and stuff and check it every month. But, the, the, you know, I, I just think about when I was just discovering this stuff and how exciting it was to, to find these things and discover these things. And, you know, like Busby Berkeley musicals, you know, you'd watch one of those retrospectives and these people danced and then this woman fell out the window. What's the deal with that? <laughs> so watch the movie and it's like, you mean there's more weird movies like that, yeah. you know, and you want to see all of them. It was, yeah. It's the same thing. So all I'm saying is, you know, the worst thing to do is, is to stop. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, it's like, you know, I always branched out from everything when I was a kid. I was like, you mean these people that are really old now made a lot of movies when they're young? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I, I'd watch TV shows when I was a kid and they'd say, here comes Jimmy Stewart. And it's like, who cares? It's this old guy. Well, I didn't know that he did like 50 years of great films prior to that. You know, I just thought I just saw some old guy, you know, and, you know there's this there's this attitude of, well, because it's new, it's it's progressive and sophisticated and enlightened. But you'll be surprised how many themes were explored very, very deeply and very surprisingly. Yeah, there was a lot of archaic thinking. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. But there was also a lot of surprisingly amazing thinking that were that wasn't stuff that was years ago. Yeah. Even in the is you go like, I can't believe they're covering. I can't believe that 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 we're. I'm I'm watching. Um, even when you watch a, a TV show, you're saying. This is like now. I was watching. I was watching. I was watching the Big Valley. Uh, <laughs> she loves that show. She loves Barbara Stanwyck, and she loved the show. And I'd never watched it because something. I forgot. I, I don't remember why. There's usually something else on. 
And, and there was an episode about a corrupt politician and, and how the press was reporting about these lies he was telling. And they said, how can you report on these lies? And because he's because you're legitimizing what he's saying and almost making it true because your paper is, is, is reputable. And he said, you're right. But he's also news. Now, what does that sound like? Sounds like today, <laughs> every day. Yes. Yeah. So when you when you look at these things and you're like, how did they know then? What was going on then? You know, th- there's things that that are eternal. There are yeah. there are behavior patterns that are that always happen. And so you you can't dismiss everything as well. It's old. That means they didn't get it. Well, yeah, there was an awful lot they had no idea, an awful lot that they they didn't do right but it's not like we're all doing everything right now either yeah (laughs) but you can't write off you can't write off all all kinds of stuff um and nor should you you just you separate the wheat from the chaff just like (laughs) and and the nice thing about streaming is you can do that because i i promise you that disney plus they're 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 chomping at the bit to add content because they're, they're you, you know, people are going through it like crazy, and they want to add more because they want to keep those subscribers. Because the subscriber list is huge, so I, I feel pretty positive about it. I think they, they're, um, uh, you know, people are home now. People are, and I think even as things are getting going to get better, you know, going out and as we get through this, and we will get through this somehow. I don't know how, but we will. Mm-hmm. Are discovering what it's like to be home and what it's like to discover things, <laughs> like to appreciate. You know, we have houses filled with videos. Did we get around to watch them? No, we got distracted by all kinds of stuff. Now you're focusing more. Maybe the focus is what we all needed. Yeah. You know, you got a home, you got family, you got stuff to do. You know, don't get so distracted. Where are we? How did we get on this, Mark? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the nature of my show. I mean, I told you the show was going to be an hour, and here we are over two hours, but, you know, uh, oh, which is I fine. Your pristine format? <laughs> I don't have a pristine format. <laughs> no, you ruined it. No, it makes up for the episode I did that was only 20 minutes, but there is a reason for that, too. So it's like... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I go. I tend to go on. I know. I try to give people their money's worth. They're not paying for it, but hey. <laughs> so, um, like Stan Freeberg, this portion was brought to you by food. Try it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know. So I, I don't even know how to wrap it up. I already asked you what your website was. You said it. I already asked you what projects you're working. You said it. So we could just abruptly end it and just say it's over. Just like you know, like, the po- like, the one Monty Python episode. How should we end this yeah. episode? And they do like five or six different endings. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. They go. We could we could fade out to black and have two lone figures just walking on the beach. Or how about an abrupt ending? And then that's the way they do. It. <laughs> or just have the film run out. Yes. Yeah, like a holy grail, you know, and just put the hand on the camera. You know, it's like okay. Um, anyway, it's it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I mean, we could always uh, have another time, another two hour gab fest, and uh, talk again. So you know, this is great. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm hoping I'll have some more to tell you about stuff when 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 that happens. But it's, yeah, it's been a joy, and I, I'm very I'm very delighted you asked me. That was very nice of you. All right. I mean, I'm. 
August company with the other guests you have. <laughs> I try, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I think about people, and I have this big long laundry list, and then I just kind of go, oh, I've never asked them. You know, uh, I wonder if they'll do it. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> and then nine times out of ten they'll go, yeah. Occasionally I get somebody that goes, no. You know, and it has nothing to do with me. They just don't want to do a pot. Fine, okay, I get it. You know, and I don't force anybody to do it. But, you know, the only one I'll admit that I held out was Jerry Beck, you know, because, you know, he does all these other things so often. It's not like I'm intimidated, but it just says he's so busy. And I just figured, you know, I'll get to him eventually. And so, you know, at this point I go, okay, I'll ask him, you know, and he said yes. So, yeah. I'm going to get him next time. So, <laughs> Well, say hello, because Jerry's been one of the one of the best friends I've had out here. It's been it's been quite an adventure uh, uh, since I've come to California, and Jerry has been uh, a true and loyal friend and supporter, so uh, yes. I'm grateful to him. He's a, he's, a, he's a good person. Well, I'll try to sure. mention everyone he's entangled with, because I know he has a big laundry list on his site and everything, you know. <laughs> so. Well, he's... No, he, he, he really is. I mean, there's some people who you think are, and, and there's some people who really are, and he's the real thing. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> giving him praise instead of you. Well, no, again, I appreciate you being on the show, and I thank you very much, Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, oh. everybody. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Greg Airbar, for being my special guest. Episode number 90 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you, and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors At the price I'm paying Be glad it isn't yours Now get up Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back